morning considering it's uh, Labor Day weekend. If everybody would have showed up, I don't know where we would have put them. That's a good problem to have. We're actually going to be talking a little bit, um, I think, next month um, about our future plans for building a new sanctuary. It's going to be directly south of uh, this building, and it's going to seat um, double the capacity. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Um, the name of the message today is the sons and daughter of Zadok. And uh, some of you maybe have never heard of Zadok, and you'll have a better understanding today of who, who he was and his priestly line. But I um, always like to pray first. So if you just be kind enough to stretch your hands towards me, it just shows you're in agreement. Father, just thank you for your amazing love. And uh, that love was manifested when Jesus came to the earth. And we say thank you, God, that uh, you loved us so much that you gave your only son. And Father, because of that, we have eternal life. And, uh, <laughs> and we have abundant life here. Uh, Father, you promised us that. And, and that's what we're after. Lord, we're after everything that you have promised us. We want nothing less and nothing more. Uh, So, Lord, this morning I just ask that you will anoint me, that uh, this message is going to draw us deeper into that love. We just place our hands on our own hearts right now and say, Father, we open our hearts to receive. Your love is what changes us. Your presence, God, is what transforms us into the image of your son, the Lord Jesus. And, and that's the goal of our lives, Father, is to become like your son, the Lord Jesus. So we believe today that through the worship and through the preaching of the word, we're going to be a little bit more like the Lord Jesus when we leave this place. And we're so thankful for that. And we ask this in, in your son's name. Amen. You know, uh, if you've been part of this church for any length of time, you'll know I I love the prophetic. And the prophetic has so many different facets. You you might think like the prophetic is just uh, giving a prophetic word. And and I love that. You know, I I love prophetic words. And I've I've shared many times with you that I love prophetic words, but from people that I know. Because I I have to trust the people that, that give the prophetic words. If somebody gives me a prophetic word that I don't know, it just... It really doesn't carry much weight, um, and, and I'll still obviously pray through that and, and see if I felt like it was from the Lord, but um, there's so many other ways that God speaks, obviously. He's, you know, most prevalently, we know this right here. You're going to hear this every time I'm up here. If you want to hear God, you have to be in this. Got to be in the Bible. He's, I promise you he's going to speak through the Word, and I would encourage you this morning, too, if you haven't ever done this... Um, before you start reading the word, ask the Lord to speak to you through his word, because he will. I mean, he, he wants to speak to you through it. So it's just a, a, a good thing to do every time. Um, and I believe he speaks in so, so many ways. Uh, but another way that I believe he speaks, the prophetic, uh, and we know it should always be about the testimony of Jesus. The prophetic should always be encouraging, and it should point to Jesus. That, uh, that's what the angel told John. Remember, uh, the apostle John, he, he, wanted, he like bowed down to worship that angel because he was giving him all this revelation. He said, wait, wait a minute, don't do that. You know, the, the, this is all about the Lord Jesus. And he says, the, 
the uh, spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So the driving force behind the prophetic words, the Bible, anything, it's always going to point to Jesus. And, you know, if I don't ever preach Jesus when I'm up front here, let my tongue just dry up in my mouth. Because I can tell you, I've heard, like, I've listened to many sermons and sermons of mega, mega church, a mega, mega church. The whole sermon, not one time, not, and I listened to the whole thing, not one time was the name Jesus mentioned. What's wrong with that picture? A lot. There's a lot wrong with that picture. We, we have to be pointing to Jesus. The prophetic word should always, when we encourage one another through the prophetic, it should always point to Jesus. We know the word always points to Jesus. And um, this story today, this, it's a prophetic picture. And I said all that to say this. The prophetic to me also is looking at stories in the Bible that speak symbolically about God and his people. And I feel like God, there's so many stories in the Old Testament that, that God is pointing us to the Lord Jesus and his kingdom. And so that's, this is one I'm going to share today about the sons and daughters of Zadok. And so um, I've never heard anyone preach this on this or on this subject, but it, it's, I, I think it's very uh, prevalent for today and very timely as um, I, I believe that this is a forerunner message for the body of Christ to prepare us for his return to the earth. I, I believe, I, I don't know how soon the Lord is coming back, but I do know this, we're one day sooner <laughs> to him coming back. That's for sure. Uh, so whether that's 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, I, none of us know, obviously. But we're definitely getting closer. I mean, you can just see the earth is uh, travailing around us. I mean, there's just, I've never seen such a disparity between dark and light. I mean, it's just crazy right now, right? And, and to me, that's a good thing. I'll, I'll tell you why. For me, it's a good thing is because I see the turmoil because one kingdom is getting ready to, uh, you know, disappear. And there's, there's a new kingdom that's coming, right? And there's a changing of the guard that's getting ready to happen. And praise God, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to rule and reign upon the earth. And nothing should get us more excited than that because all the injustice and everything that we all see and we all want justice on the earth. We all want that. But Jesus is the only one that can bring that. Because he, he, he truly understands justice. And, and for us to understand, I want justice. I, I, and I'm, I'm getting you know, off course a little bit, but I just have to share. My heart burns for justice. I've always been a per- person. Whenever I saw somebody that was the underdog, I, I would even, you know, my younger years, I, I, would, I would get in fights to stick up for the, young, uh, the underdog. That was just who I was, even against people that were my friends. You know, it's just like I saw something burned inside me. It still burns. And so um, I want justice, but I know uh, justice has a name, and his name is Jesus, you know, and he's coming. And he's going to make the crooked way straight. That's what John the Baptist said, right? And so our heart is just to run with his and say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And, uh, and that's a good thing. And so as the earth continues to groan and travail under the birth pangs of, of God's kingdom coming forth, it's a critical time for God's people to keep the purposes of God and, uh, and to live out our lives according to his purposes. You know, we need to understand them and live those out. And uh, uh, be committed as a people to seek his presence. I'm just so uh, committed to this, uh, the presence of God. I'm just going to 
camp out in that place. I've preached that for so long. It's all about his presence, and that's what really changes us. Um, It's so easy to get into programs and doing different things, but it's God's presence is what radically changes people's lives, and it transforms us. And I can't, it's not like something you can put your finger on. I mean, his presence, you know, it's like bigger than the universe, right? And there's so many facets of his presence and the way that he comes on people. And and I love that it's, it's, uh, when people experience God's presence, they have different reactions. And I love that because we're all created differently, right? And uh, um, I've told, uh, told this story before, but I remember one time there was a guy that came to the church, and he was part of a deliverance ministry that we were kind of connecting with, and uh, he brought his son uh, just to kind of see what we were about. And his son, I, th- I think, was about 10 years old, and they came into the church, and all of a sudden his son, the church, the service hadn't even started yet, right? He just walks in the building. Tears just start coming down his cheeks. And he's like, the kid is like, okay, what's going on? He looks at his dad and he says, dad, what is that? Well, first off, his dad didn't even know, which was, you know, not good. And so he asked his son, he's like, well, what do you think it is? And and the son says, right, he goes, I think it's God. (laughs) So the whole point of the story was this kid had never experienced that before. He had been going to church, Right. His dad had never experienced it either. He, he didn't know how, how to respond to that. So there, once again, what's wrong with that picture? We, we should be in God's presence. And it sh- we, when we come in God's, uh, God's house, we should experience God. You know, however you experience him, but you should be touched by God's presence. And, and, and that's the uh, firm, uh, you know, foremost thing in, in the minds of the leadership here. Myself, uh, my wife, Louis, you know, the other people who are in leadership. We want you to encounter God. And, and, and I believe you will. If you continue to come here, you're going to encounter God. Because we're pressing into his presence. And that's what the sons and daughters of Zadok did. And so I'm going to get to the story here in a second. Um, and, and another thing about the prophetic is we, we need to be in God's presence because it's going to give us end-time revelation. And I had an extremely, uh, like, powerful dream, and I, and I hate to do this to you, but I can't tell you right now. <laughs> but, but I am going to share it soon because I want to tie it into a, a message. But, but the reason I'm even telling you about this dream or, or getting your, your appetite uh, wet for this is God wants to give us end-time dreams about what he's getting ready to do in the earth. And that is your privilege and mine, and he's going to do it for you. I promise you, once again, if you'll ask God for dreams, he's going to give you dreams and speak to you about what he's getting ready to do in the earth. Uh, he's got good plans for us. Good things are coming upon the earth. We can, we can watch the news and the different things, and we, it looks like all doom and gloom. Trust me, it's not all doom and gloom. God has a great plan, and good things are getting ready to happen. Very good things. And so, I, you know, that's why I'm just, once again, you know, you guys heard me saying, I'm not getting distracted by all that. I'm staying focused on the Lord Jesus, right? Because that's, that, it's all about his kingdom. And his kingdom is going to prevail. <laughs> He's not worried about the enemy. He's not, you know, nervous or anything like that. There's, God, there's no, uh, you know, anxiety with God. You know, even like it says in Psalm 2, right? Why do the nations rage and plot vain things against God and against his anointed? You know, God, he, he, it says God sits in heaven and laughs at the enemy. And those that side with him, it's not laughing sarcastically, but he, it's just 
that think that they could usurp or overthrow his kingdom. He laughs at that. But his heart is broken over those that don't know him and that would side with the enemy. And, and we need to continue to pray because it says in Scripture that the hearts and minds of unbelievers have been blinded by the enemy. And we know it's a spiritual battle. So that's why I'm so committed to prayer in this church. And uh, you know, Micah was, thank you, Micah, for talking about the prayer on Tuesday nights and on Wednesday night and Thursday night. And I'm believing we're going to have more prayer. And, you know, that's how we're going to usher in the kingdom of heaven upon the earth is we're going to run with God's heart in prayer. I said this so many times. I don't believe there's anything more powerful that we can do as a people than when we gather and worship the Lord and pray his word back to him. It's absolutely the most powerful thing that we can do. And to do it in your home, personally, being in worship, you know, and this is that you're going to see about Zadok. He, he was all about the presence of God and his children and his, you know, his lineage. It was all about God's presence. It was when the other Levites strayed from God because uh, he was part of that uh, Levitical priesthood. He was a certain section, right? But he was committed to God's presence. And so... I'm encouraging you this morning, as, as the darkness gets darker and the light gets brighter, if you want to be one that's going to be, you know, burning bright, then you need to be in the Word daily. You, you need to find a place at your house or wherever where you can worship by yourself and read the Word and, and get into that place of His presence. And then I encourage you to come because there's power in numbers that we come together and we meet on Tuesday night or Wednesday night or Thursday or whenever it is. But I'm believing that in, in the future, we're going to have prayer in the mornings when peop, the people that can come for that. Uh, noontime prayer. We're just going to pray all the time. That's just what we do. We just pray and worship the Lord and, and, and get filled up with his presence because that goes back to, and, and I'm trying to get my message in here, but... Um, that goes back to the ten virgins, right? Okay, some of you know this parallel, the, the story that, that Jesus, the uh, proverb or uh, parable, yeah, parable. Now, anyways, he's, he's like, there's, there was five foolish and five wise. And when the bridegroom came, when the Lord Jesus comes, I believe, you know, some people are going to be ready and some people aren't going to be ready. I'm talking about his church right now, right? We know the world's not going to be ready for that. But I'm talking about the church. The virgins represent the church, okay? Five, five had, had oil in their lamps and five didn't. You know, at least, and I think it's, unfortunately, I believe it's going to be less than 50%, but I'm praying for a, ma a major revival that's going to come upon the body of Christ, that we're going to have oil in our lamps. We're going to be ready. We're not going to be caught unaware. How does the oil come? It's from the Holy Spirit. How do we get the oil from the Holy Spirit? We have to be in his presence. And I know we all know that, but I, we have to just keep reminding our, ourselves of that because it's so easy. And, 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 and I'm a doer. I, I like to just, you know, go out and do stuff. That's who I am. I just get nervous when I'm not doing something. So this is really hard for me. But I've just like educated myself and disciplined myself that I have to be in his presence. Otherwise, I'm not going to have anything to give to you guys. And I take my job very seriously. And my job is to motivate you to follow him, the Lord Jesus. And, and, you know, and I know I'm going to stand before God and give an account of that. And, and that makes me, you know, I, I, I take that very, I don't take that lightly <laughs> at all. And so, hey, we're, we're all going to go hard for Jesus and we're going to see good things because a family that prays together stays together. And that's who we are. 
So we're going to look at uh, the reason how I even came across this uh, whole story was I was reading the Bible. Yeah. Imagine that. So in Ezekiel, I love Ezekiel. It's there's so so many amazing things in the Word uh, about God's kingdom coming and. And in uh, chapter 44, it's actually talking about there's going to be a temple. I'll try not to spend too much time on this, but there's going to be a temple that the Lord Jesus is actually going to build in the millennium. I think that's in um, Zechariah chapter 6. I I believe it's verse 13. But anyway, Zechariah, I'm not going there today. You you can read that on your own, just like a mental note. Zechariah chapter 6 talks about the Lord Jesus. He, he's going to branch out and, and build the temple. So anyways, the point is, there's a temple that's built in the millennium, and there's going to be amazing things happening with this temple in Jerusalem. And I, for one, am going to be there. I don't know if I'll be there all the time, but Lord, please, I want to come to the temple because God's going to be there. The Lord Jesus is going to be there, and it's going to be just amazing to, to see this. Um, and so... This is what's going on in chapter 44. I'm just going to read a couple of verses because uh, to try not to take too much time. I'm in uh, chapter 10, or uh, ver- uh, cha- verse 10. Chapter 44, verse 10, it says, um, where is it? Surely the Levites who wandered, because remember I said Zadok was part of the Levitical priesthood, but... Uh, now God's talking about the Levites in general. Surely the Levites who wandered away from me when Israel went astray and who strayed from me after their idols will bear the consequences of their iniquity. Yet they will occupy my sanctuary. This is God's great mercy. Yet they will occupy my sanctuary serving as guards at the temple gates and ministering at the temple. They will slaughter the burnt offerings and other sacrifices for the people and will stand before them to serve them. Because they ministered to the house of Israel before their idols and became a sinful stumbling block to them, therefore I swore an oath against them. And this is the declaration of the Lord God, that they would bear the consequences of their iniquity and they must not approach me to serve me as priests or come near any of my holy things or of the most holy things. They will bear the disgrace and the consequences of their detestable acts they committed. Yet I will make them responsible for the duties of the temple, for all the work and everything done in it. Okay, I'm going to stop right there, but I'm going to read some more here just in a second. But I just want to say this. So this is my interpretation of this. And once again, you go to the Holy Spirit and he'll reveal what, what the word says. I'm just giving you something to think about. To me, this is symbolic of the body of Christ. There's a lot of people that are going to embrace the world. It's like the harlot church. And, and this is what the Levites did. They started embracing the idols. They were turning to the idols. And it was detestable to God. But because of God's great mercy and love, he's still going to allow them to be part of it. But they're going to do the menial work. And they're not going to have the privilege and honor of coming before the Lord and serving him and ministering to him personally. And so I think there's going to be a lot of people that, will, that, that you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But once again, they've, they've like, well, they got one foot in the world and they got one foot in the kingdom. That doesn't work. And so they're, they're going to miss out on a lot. 
I believe because of God's great mercy that they'll get into the kingdom, but it's, it's, it's going to be a low-ranking position. But, but Zadok and his family, that, that, you know, I'm going to continue on, because this, this, this is for me. Lord, I, I want to be like Zadok. I, I want to be one who's committed. I'm not going to stray. I, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, of course, I've, I've, I've made mistakes in my life, and, and it's something that I battle today. Even, of course, I have desires, and, and the world has all these things to give. But, you know, I'm forsaking the world. I want Jesus, so I have to just let those things go. And, and it's a constant uh, discipline in my life. And, and things that I embraced even years ago t- today, those are detestable to me. And that's the way it should be. All of us should be changing things that we allowed in our lives. You know, and this is just a, a simple analogy, but, and there's nothing wrong with this. Please listen to me. Uh, when, when I tell you the convictions on my heart, this is not yours, right? I'm just telling you, me. You know, 10 years ago, I, I used to listen to like, um, you know, secular music. I'm just talking about like, you know, oldies, like Cool FM or something, the Beach Boys, something like that. You know, not, I wasn't into acid rock, bang your head type stuff. I'm just, so... But now, I, I don't ever, the, all I listen to is worship music. And, and even that, I'd say, I've even kind of brought it down. And once again, it's just my personal thing is, I, listen, I used to just listen to Christian music, but there's a difference between Christian music and worship music. And those of you know what I'm talking about. So it's like now, it's just worship music. Like, I just really want to go into the heart of God. And so that's just, you know, something little that he, you know, maybe it's not really little to me, but you might be thinking that. But to see what I'm saying is there's just a, a gleaning, right, at a cutting off of the flesh. And so uh, going on here in chapter 44, it says, but the priest, but the Levitical priest descendants from Zadok, they kept charge of my sanctuary when Israel went astray. So they did it. The, 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 the sons of Zadok and Zadok, they stayed committed to God and to his presence and, and ministering to him. And that's what we do on Tuesday nights. And this is what, you know, I, I've said this many times. Our highest calling, in my opinion, is that we minister to the Lord. We want to minister to other people. We want to get people saved. We want to pray for them. We want to get them delivered. We, we want, you know, we want to do all the things that Jesus did. But if we don't minister to the Lord first, once again, we're not going to have anything to give. And that's our highest calling. It's the highest privilege that you and I have is ministering to the heart of God. Think, really think about that for a minute. That you and I, as, as, as you know, failed human beings, we can touch the heart of God when we read the word and when we worship him and when we pray back to him. You touch the heart of God in, in a way that angels can't even touch the heart of God. It's so crazy to think about that. And so it's like the greatest privilege that you and I have is that we can touch the heart of God on a daily basis. And the best part of it is we're the ones that get the benefit. (laughs) And so it goes on there. He says, um, the Lord's talking, you know, and he's saying that they went astray, but Zadok didn't. Uh, They'll be able to approach me and to serve me. They will stand before me to offer me the fat and blood. This is the declaration of the Lord God. So I was thinking about this today. So here's just like a quick analogy so you can kind of understand what's going on. Imagine this. Somebody is working and preparing this great meal, right? And they did all the work and, and got it ready. And then they don't get to come and bring it to the Lord. That, that's, the, that's the Levites. Because they're going to do all the work, you know, for the sanctuary. And they're going to do all the, the menial work. 
but, but the sons and daughters of Zadok, we're going to get to take that meal and bring it right before God. You know, that's the blessing, and we're going to see the Lord enjoy that. So that's kind of the analogy that I was thinking about as I was looking at this. We're the ones that are going to be able to go into his presence and see the very face of God, the beauty of God. This, I mean, not everybody is going to see God face to face. Just think about that for a minute. There'll be privileged people. I mean, everybody's going to want to see him, but those of us that have stayed committed to, to his presence now, he's going to say, oh, yeah, those were the ones. Those are the ones that were committed to, they, they gazed upon the beauty of the Lord. So now come in, because you've already prepared that place in your heart. It's interesting, I looked up uh, the name Zadok in the Hebrew, and it actually means to glitter or to, to uh, like a golden in color. And so... Um, some of you know, and I'm not even, we can probably, I'm not going to turn there in my Bible. I'm just going to paraphrase this one. But it's Daniel 12, 3, where it says that, that those that have uh, pressed into the Lord, my saints, that they will shine brightly in the end times, and they'll do great things for the Lord. It's talking about that they, they, uh, in Daniel 12, 3. But I am going to go to uh, Matthew and read this one. Chapter 13, starting in verse 43. So this is a parable of the wheat and tares. A- amazing parable. <laughs> and I, I can't go into all this today, too, but I'm just going to share a, a little bit of this. I would encourage you to read through this. And once again, God's going to give you a, an amazing uh, understanding of end times because it's the wheat and tares, and, and we don't want to be the tares. We want to be the wheat, obviously. The tares are, are, are of the enemy. And so, starting in verse 43, actually, I'm going to start a little bit before that. I'm going to start in 37. Okay. So he's talking to his disciples. They're all around him. He'd already shared this parable with all the crowds, and then the disciples came to him, and, you know, they want, they want the inside scoop. And so the Lord says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, the Lord Jesus. The field is the world, and the good seed, these are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the, e- the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned into the fire, so the devil, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels, and they will go... And gather from his kingdom all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness. And that's, I don't know, lawlessness is just really standing out in my mind right now. Um, and and uh, actually the Antichrist, one of the names uh, that the Bible gives him is, is the man of lawlessness. So I don't think that's any coincidence in kind of what, what we're seeing right now in the earth, at least in the United States. But no, it, it's everywhere, that's for sure. Um, they will be thrown into a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun. And this is the reason I'm reading this. The shining, right? We're going to be like those, like Zadok. He, he glistened, he glittered. He was a shining one. We'll be like those that will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Let anyone who has ears um, listen. And so 
we're going to kind of look at this story that I started to talk a little bit about uh, Zadok, the shining one, the glistening one. There's three main characters in this story, and, and, and I'm not going to be able to read all of it, so I'm just going to kind of get you caught up to what was going on. And, and most of you know this story. But, but anyways, King David had a son named Absalom, and he they said he was like a really good-looking guy, right? Like flawless from top to bottom, kind of, you know, have some similarities there with him on the, yeah. No, I'm just, just kidding. No. I said some, very, very, very little. <laughs> but anyways, he was a good-looking guy, you know, long, long hair. I guess he had to cut it every year because his hair's so long, and, and it just, you know, just this guy just had it going on. No, no blemish from, from head to toe. That's what the word says. And anyways, he, he, here's the par- parable of the story or the, the symbolic picture, in my opinion. There, uh, Absalom had a rightful inheritance. He's the son of the king, right? But he, he wants to build his own kingdom, and he tries to make it happen in his flesh. So here, here's the, you know, the, the symbolism for us is God has such a great destiny for you and I. We don't have to try to make it happen. We just have to be those that you and I can say, Father, we're children of the king. <laughs> you know, if Absalom would have just done that, right? His father loved him. He wanted to, it's, and I always think about, uh, Jesus told us, be of good cheer, a little flock. It's my father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We have nothing to fear. God wants to give us the kingdom. I mean, he already gave us his best when he gave us the Lord Jesus. Why wouldn't he give us the rest of the deal, right? Of course he's going to do that. And so Absalom, and I'll read here a little bit of this story, but he just was symbolic of, I believe, anyone that's in the kingdom and we're trying to make something happen in the flesh. And so we just don't want to get into that. Like, let's just trust the Lord. Let's be in his presence. And let's just know God has good, uh, uh, good things for our lives. King David in this, in this story in, in 2 Samuel that I'm going to go to, King David represents the Lord Jesus Christ, in, in my opinion. Um, and King David was a good king, a loving king. He, you know, he, he made mistakes. Now, that part doesn't remind me of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the thing was... He always came back to God, uh, King David did. And, and when he messed up, he knew who to take it to. He took ownership. And, uh, and he, but he had such a heart for God's presence. King David, you know, he's the one that said um, the one place that he wanted to be, right, was in the house of God, uh, setting underneath uh, the shadow of his wings, King David knew that, that it was uh, so important to, to be in God's house and, and be in his tabernacle and worshiping and, and praying. That's, that was where King David longed to be. And so that's the representation of the Lord Jesus Christ to me because it says the Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in God's presence. That's where the Lord Jesus longs to be and is. And um, so anyways... 
King David's a prophetic picture of the Lord Jesus, the King of Kings. Uh, some of you know that story where they were bringing the ark. King David was all about the ark, right? Solomon had, uh, I mean, not Solomon, Saul had been the king for uh, 20, well, his whole reign was 40 years, but for 20 years, the last half of his uh, reign, he never once brought the Ark of the Covenant into the city. So King David becomes king. The first thing he wants to do is bring the Ark of the Covenant, which is God's presence, right, into, the, into Jerusalem. Because it's all about the presence of God. And so they're bringing the Ark in. Many of you know the story. He's, he's dancing before the Lord, and he starts unrobing, right? Because he's just like, he's giving it all for Jesus. And it says he had a linen ephod on. And I was thinking, what? Okay, that's just so weird. Why would the writer even put that in there? What's up with that, the linen ephod? And I felt like what the Lord was telling me was, because David is a prophetic picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is going to be king and priest over the earth. And, and it goes back to Psalm 110. The, God the Father said, you are a priest after the order of Mechizedek. Mechizedek was king and high priest. And I believe David, he was king, obviously. I believe David longed to be a priest. And that's why, because the priests are the ones that wore those linen ephods. And so it was just fascinating to me that, you know, because so I think that was the thing. So once again, the the point I'm trying to make is Jesus is the king of kings and Lord of lords, and he's going to be high priest. There's two callings that will be upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's he's a prophet, too. But the two main things that we're going to see order of Melchizedek was king and priest. And that's what King David longed to do. But only Jesus Christ is the one that can fulfill that. So, um. Then Absalom was, once again, I believe, prophetic. Uh, he was a child of the king, but he was trying to build a kingdom on his own, uh, you know, merit, doing it in himself. And then the third part of the person in this story about when Absalom rebelled was Zadok, who ministered to the Lord, remained, uh, remained true to the Lord, even when those around him succumbed to the pressure of the world. So Zadok stays true to the calling, going after the presence of God, even when all the other uh, priests had turned and went after the idols. And so (laughs) the thing for us is, no matter who we see, if we see people around us that are beginning to succumb to the pressures of the world, we're not going to go that way. We're staying committed to God And we're going to pray those people back in. But if nobody stays committed, who's going to pray those people back in? Good Lord, we need some people that are going to stay committed to the gospel and committed to his presence. Otherwise, we're all going to be be in a bad place. And I know we're those people that are going to stay committed. I know for my, uh, myself, I'm going to stay committed to, to God's word and to his presence all the days of my life. And I'm not going to back down now because I've got too much, uh, you know, uh, time on my hands that I've spent already. I don't want to think back about all those years that I, you know, pressed in hard to the Lord and then let it go at the end. No way. I'm going harder for God now than I've ever gone. We all are, right? We're in this together. Okay, so let me read just a little bit out of 2 Samuel. Um, So the story was, I was going back to Absalom. You know, he's a good-looking guy, had all kinds of good things going for him, but he wanted to be the king, and he didn't want to wait um, for that his father to bless him. So he tries to make it happen himself, 
which is never a good thing. And so it says that he used to um, sit at the city gate, and when people would come by, he would uh, listen to their problems. And so people would come and say what was ever going on, and, and he would say, Oh, yeah, you know, I, too bad uh, my father doesn't have time to listen to things like this. And he would kiss their hand and tell them how wonderful they were. And uh, he was winning. It says he won over the hearts of the people. And, uh, you know, it, it was just very conniving what he was doing and obviously not pleasing to, to God. And so this is kind of where we are in the story. Second Samuel, I think it's chapter 6. If I can find it here, verse, uh, I don't know how I, Second Samuel 15. I guess I'm not supposed to read it this morning. I'm having the hardest time pro, uh, finding it, but I'm just going to tell you the, the story because I've got it memorized. So, anyways, oh, here, I, I did find it. Okay, so I am. It's Second uh, Samuel chapter 15. Starting in verse 1. So after this, Samuel or Absalom got himself in a chariot, horses, and 50 men to run before him. And he would get up early and stand beside the road, telling, leading to the city gate. And, and whenever anyone had a grievance to bring it before the king for settlement, Absalom would call out to him and said, What city are you from? And he replied, Your servant is from, you know, so-and-so. And Absalom said, Look, your claims are good and right, but the king does not have anyone, which wasn't true, to listen to you. He added, if only someone would appoint me judge in the land, then anyone who had a grievance or dispute would come to me, and I would make sure he received justice. And when a person approached to pay homage to him, Absalom reached out his hand and took hold of him and kissed him. Absalom did this to all the Israelites who came to the king for a settlement. So Absalom stole the hearts of Israel. So once again, just not being honest and just telling people what they want to hear. And, and, and when the Apostle Paul, and I think there's so much symbolism of this in the body of Christ today. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, In the last days, people are going to heap up for them teachers that will appease their itching ears. And so you see that so many times. If you've been part of this church for any amount of time, you know, we're not here to tickle your ears. Can somebody say amen? amen. Okay. It, that, that's not my heart. It's, it's, it's not to tickle your ears. It's, it's to move your heart towards Jesus. And so there's, there's so many churches out there in the body of Christ that they're just preaching what people want to hear. But that's not what Jesus preached. He preached things that move people's heart so that they would become like him. And so... This is what Absalom was doing. He's telling the people, sure, he's telling them what they want to hear, but that, that, that's, you know, it says in Proverbs that I would rather have the, the, uh, the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. <laughs> and so I want people in my life that will speak truth into me, even if it's something I don't want to hear. That's the people I want to surround me with. Don't, don't, don't tell me how good I am and, and all these things because I'm already narcissistic enough. I don't want that. I don't need that. I need to be challenged. I need to get my focus on the Lord Jesus and other people. People don't want to hear that. Our flesh wars against that. But that's what Absalom was doing. And, and, and you know, I believe that that spirit is in the body of Christ today, that we're going to say whatever people want to hear because that's how you build a big church. 
You might have a big church, but that church is, is powerless. I want a church that's moving in power. Whenever I hear a message that's centered around me, I want to run for the hills. I want to be like Zadok. He's one who understands the honor and power and privilege of ministering to the Lord. So as, as, as this story, and I'm, I'm wrapping it up right now. So uh, Zadok, or, uh, Absalom, he stole the hearts of the people, and he declares himself king. He gets all these people in front of him and rally around him. They start blowing the shofar, and, and there's a, a big uh, you know, presentation of people behind him and saying, long live the king. Absalom is the king. Long live the king. And King David gets driven out of Jerusalem. And so he's, he's driven out. He's leaving. He's running for his life. There's you know, people going with him. It's a horrible scene. And uh, I'm in... Uh, Chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, it says in verse 24, Zadok, because all these people are going with the king, and, and you know, the Levites, and those, I believe, stayed with uh, Absalom. They were siding with him because, oh, okay, we're, just, we're, we're, we're not going to you know, lay down our lives to go with God's man, who you know, King David was appointed by God. We're not going to lay down our lives, or it might cost us something. No, we're just going to go with whatever the latest, greatest thing is, which is Absalom and his kingdom, and we'll just jump right in. And, hey, because this is all about us, they didn't see the bigger picture. But we are people that see the bigger picture. You know Christianity might cost you something? <laughs> you know, people in China and other parts of the world, they know that it can cost them something. You know, I guess the question is this morning, are we willing to pay the cost? You know, whatever it is, hey, if I die, I die. But I know one thing, I'm not going to quit serving the Lord, and, and, and the enemy's not going to get me, and I, you know, I've talked about this before. I, I'm committed to his house, and there's nothing the enemy can do to keep me out of his house or to keep me from worshiping. And so it says, uh, Zadok was... Also there, I'm in verse 24, and all the Levites with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which was his children and those that, that of the Levites that stayed with Zadok, because there was many that, that stayed in uh, Jerusalem. They set the Ark of God down, and Abathar offered sacrifices until the people had finished marching past. Then the king instructed Zadok, return the Ark of God to the city. If I find favor with the Lord, he'll bring me back and allow me to see both it and its dwelling place. And those of you that know the end of the story there, I, I don't have time to read it because I told you I would end. I'm going to keep my word. Um, things didn't end well for Absalom. In fact, he was uh, struck down uh, later in the story. But King David did come back to Jerusalem and took up his place again as God's man. And so I believe that Zadok represents all of us that will stay committed to God's presence. We're not going to allow the uh, conformity of the world to come into our lives or into this church. We, we, we conform our lives to God's word. We don't conform God's word to our lives. And that's what we see so many people doing nowadays. They it, you know, the Apostle Paul talked about a great apostasy, a great falling away before the Lord Jesus came back. And, we, we, and, and in Isaiah it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Only God has the right to tell us what is good and what isn't good.
We don't make those choices. We just agree with his heart. The spirit of Absalom, which is, in my opinion, the way of man to build his own kingdom, had, has driven the presence of God out of the church. Like that story I shared earlier, there was the man that came with this child. His child had never even experienced God's presence. They, they go to church all the time, and, and his, his son starts crying, God, what is this? The presence of God has left the church because we've taken the presence out and we've tried to build churches around a quick little short sermon, three little quick songs, get them in, get them out. This is like fast food, drive through, drive through Christianity. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't build strong people. It doesn't get the presence of God in our lives. It doesn't challenge us. We're not changed. No wonder there's been so many young people that have left the church. They say young people have left the church in droves because of the hypocrisy, and there's nothing real there to keep them. The, the young people are looking for something genuine. They want to see the power of God moving. And I want to be one of those people too. I want to see that. And I believe Zadok, even as they carried the ark back into, into Jerusalem, as King David instructed them. I believe the Lord Jesus is saying this to all of us, but especially to the young ones today. You're the ones that is going to bring the presence of God back into the church. Because you're going you're to spend time in his presence, and you're going to be carriers of his presence. And, and all of us are going to benefit from that, not to mention the people that you go to school with or who you work with or whatever. And that's who I want to be. Once again, I want to be one that's going to be so full of his presence that no matter where I go, people's lives are going to be touched and changed. Wow. So I'm, I'm ending with that. I'm, I'm going to pray over us. And um, we're going to actually do ministry time today, which I'm very excited to. So if our ministry team can uh, start to come up, and I'm just going to pray uh, over us. Father, I, I thank you for... Um, the sons and daughters of Zadok, Lord, that you're looking for a church, a lovesick bride, Father, that they're willing to forsake everything else uh, to be in your presence. Oh, Lord, we want to be carriers of your presence, even as uh, Zadok and his children were the ones that were allowed to carry the ark, the ark of your presence. Father, we want to be a people that will carry your presence into our jobs, into our schools, the grocery store, our neighborhoods, wherever we are, Father, we want to be carriers of your presence because that's what's going to change people around us. And so, God, I'm asking that you would give us the grace in our lives to commit to you, to spending time with you every day. And, Lord, uh, that you'll gather us on Tuesday night at the House of Prayer and, and on Wednesday nights uh, and, and Thursday nights. And, God, whenever uh, we can gather in, in our uh, promise groups, God, that we're going to be people that are going to worship and pray together and, and seek your presence. Father, I thank you that that's the, the worship team that you've given us. They're, they're not up here to perform. Lord, they're here to, to bring your presence into the building. And I'm asking God that every time our, our worship team gets up, that your presence is going to come because they have that at the forefront of their minds. And Lord, every time that whether I'm preaching or, or whoever else in our church is preaching, God, that, that your presence is going to come in because we're focusing the message on the Lord Jesus. 
So I thank you, God, for for all the amazing things that you've been doing in our lives. I thank you for all the healings that have taken place in our church and, and, and the deliverances and the restoration. But, Father, I know you have so much more. And so, Lord, we're not going to put the cart before the horse. We're, we're going to stay committed to your presence. And, Lord, then I know we're going to see the blessing of the Lord upon our lives. We're going to see our, our lost loved ones get saved. Those that are dealing with sickness, God, they're going to be healed. Those that, have, that, that need deliverance, they're, they're struggling with addictions, they're going to be set free. Jesus, you came to set the captives free, and that's our mission statement. Lord, we are here to set the captives free. Whatever it might be, whatever type of addiction, Lord, I know your blood is more than enough. I just plead your blood over over, uh, my church family this morning. Lord, remove all fear, all hindrances. Don't let us settle for the lesser loves of the world, even though the the world is, is trying to give us that or entice us with this or that. We say no. Father, I pray that the world will have no uh, allure for us. Give us eyes for Jesus and Jesus alone. Father, we, we, we want to be... Uh, we want to be like the Lord Jesus. Uh, Father, I think of uh, when the enemy came to him and said, see all these kingdoms of the world? If you, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this right now. And the Lord Jesus said, no. Serve the Lord God and him alone. Worship God and him alone. And Father, we say we're going to be like the Lord Jesus, even though the, the world could say, will say, I, I, I want to give you this, I want to give you that, I want to give you whatever. We say, no, God, because Jesus waited on you, Father, and now you are giving him all the kingdoms of the earth and much more. And what Satan could have given him was only temporal, but what you gave him, Father, is eternal. And Lord, we know what the world can give us now, that's temporal, but what you have for us, God, because we're going to wait for you, what you have for us is eternal. So, Lord, we're not going to settle for the temporal. We're going to wait for the eternal. So thank you, God. Just ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us to, to uh, wait on you and not try to do things in the flesh, build our own little kingdoms the way Absalom tried to do his, Father. Let us be like, like Zadok and his, his children, his a lineage, Father, that, that we would be those that just uh, camped around your presence once again. We love you, mighty one. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.